0: Welcome to our time of prayer and reflection on this Sunday the 17th of January which is the second Sunday of Epiphany. Let us pray. The night has passed and the day lies open before us. Let us pray with one heart and mind. As we rejoice in the gift of this new day, so may the light of your presence, O God, set our hearts on fire with love for you, now and forever. Amen. So we listen now to a song which reminds us that however we feel and whoever we are, Christ longs to meet with us and in this time of prayer and reflection. This is our touching place.
1: Christ
2: Slaves with this
0: reading from 1 Samuel chapter 3 verses 1 to 10. Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord under Eli. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Visions were not widespread. At that time Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his room the lamp of God has not, had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of the Lord was. Then the Lord called Samuel, Samuel, and he said, Here I am, and ran to Eli, and said, Here I am, for you called me. But he said, I did not call. Lie down again. So he went and lay down. The Lord called again, Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli, and said, Here I am, for you called me. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and if he calls you, you shall say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Now the Lord came and stood there, calling us before Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. This is the word of the Lord. And now... Some verses from Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me out and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You mark out my journeys and my resting place, and are acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word on my tongue, but you, O Lord, know it altogether. You encompass me behind and before, and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, so high that I cannot attain it. For you yourself created my inmost parts, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I thank you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvellous are your works, my soul knows well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes beheld my form as yet unfinished. Already in your book were all my members written, as day by day they were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. How deep are your counsels to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I count them, they are more in number than the sand, and at the end I am still in your presence. Amen. And a reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 43 to 51. Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathaniel said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him, he said of him, Here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, Where did you come to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the Son of God, you are the King of Israel. Jesus answered, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Follow me, come and see. A talk for the second Sunday of Epiphany. Last week's talk, if you remember it, might have been subtitled Can Anything Good Come Out of Crosby, which is my hometown? And please substitute here the name of the place you come from. Can Anything Good Come Out of There? For that talk was about the deep wells from which we can draw to sustain and affirm ourselves, particularly through testing times, The deep resources of all that has been given us by family and community and our faith through all the years of our lives. When we're feeling alone or adrift, we have all these riches to draw on. All we need is a little gentle, prayerful self-discipline to reach down to recover them. And to remember that, of course, plenty of good can come, has come, from that deep place where we have been formed. Today's Gospel reading invites us to think a little more about the faith aspect of this. In it, first Jesus found Philip and said to him, "'Follow me.' And then Philip found his friend Nathanael, told him excitedly about this Jesus, Joseph's son from Nazareth. And when the cynical Nathanael asked, "'Can anything good come out of Nazareth?' Philip replied, saying, "'Come and see.' "'Follow me,' says Jesus.' Come and see, say his followers to their friends. That's the way the Christian faith grows. And if you look deep into the well of your own faith, you may be able to identify who it was who first invited you to come and see. And you may be able to recall a moment or moment in your life when you heard Jesus saying, follow me. For those of us who were brought up in the Christian way, The come and see probably came early in our lives via parents or grandparents, ministers or Sunday school teachers, people who told us the stories and taught us the songs which showed us who Jesus is, who helped us form a picture of him in our mind's eye and an impression of his character in our hearts. And maybe the follow me came at the time you were prepared for confirmation Or perhaps you had a direct call from God during a mission or a special service. Or it might have been at a more private moment, perhaps a prayerful moment, a moment of clarity and illumination in your life, that Jesus was inviting you to follow him and you were ready to respond. Others might say, I've never had a direct call like that. But every week in worship, when I'm sent out in Christ's name to love and serve the Lord, I go and try my best to do that. For many of us, following Jesus starts with a sense of our own imperfection and a need to turn to him for help to make a better person of ourselves. It may be that we see in him the one who can direct us in a more worthy and fulfilling path through life. And over time, we gain a heightened understanding through experience, that following Jesus means accepting the high standards he demands of us, requiring our humility in putting God and others first, calling on us to be self-sacrificial in relegating our strong urges for status, comfort and security, to follow a way which may lead us downwards in status into uncomfortable places with no guarantee of security, Following Jesus means unlearning our dependence on the things that money, education, and influence can buy to make space for us to develop a purer, simpler trust in His providence. Following Jesus is challenging. The philosopher Julian Bogini, in his recently published book called The Godless Gospel, looks into Jesus' teachings from an atheist's point of view and discovers in his words, a belief system which goes against the gentle image of Jesus as an advocate of homely moral truths that we can all warmly and easily embrace. Much of his teaching is discomforting and quite a bit is objectionable. The moral philosophy of Jesus is often challenging and radical for believers and infidels alike. If it's so hard being a follower of Jesus, and by the standards of the shallow and materialistic culture around us, quite unattractive sounding too, then what on earth are we inviting people to open their eyes to when we tell them, come and see? Is it that in Jesus, the challenge to put the poorest and powerless first teaches us how to become compassionate people? Is it that in putting God and others first, humbling ourselves, in Jesus' words, we become less judgmental, more forgiving people, more aware of our dependence on others, and open to the truth that we only come alive in healthy relationships because we feel each other's brokenness? Is it that when we embrace Jesus' challenge to commit to what is good and true, turning our backs on what is pleasant and easy, we understand that we have discovered treasure in a field, the pearl of great price. Is it that when we follow the one who challenges us to reach high, higher than we can ever actually reach, we learn how to exercise in our moral life in the way which sports people and artists exercise in their specialisms? Like them, we know that perfection is unattainable, but it's about being aspirational people, about cultivating a seriousness of intent resolved to work towards becoming the best people we can be. When we invite others to come and see Jesus, this is to show them one who strengthens our character as we take his example and his teachings into our hearts and practice, shaking us out of any complacency into lives lived intentionally for the betterment of ourselves and the world around us. Follow me, says Jesus, and we thank God for the gift this has been to us in the past and is now. Come and see, say his followers to their friends, and we ask God to help us open other people's hearts to this encounter and experience. That's the way. The Christian faith grows. Let us pray. This week coming is the week of prayer uh, for Christian unity. So we take a moment to think of our fellow Christians around us locally in our own churches and Our sister churches, independent chapels, Methodist churches, friends meeting houses, Roman Catholics and others. We are all seeking the simple aim of following Jesus. And inviting others to come and see what that means for them. So God our Father, you reveal to us your love through Christ and through our brothers and sisters. Open our hearts so that we can welcome each other with our differences and live in forgiveness. Grant us to live united in one body so that the gift that is each person comes to light May all of us together be a reflection of the living Christ. Amen. In our prayers this week, we are conscious of news that has come this week that over 350 million Christians, one in eight of all Christians throughout the world face high levels of persecution and discrimination because of their faith. And so we pray for all who are suffering in this way, particularly in North Korea and many African countries where the persecution is the harshest. And we pray for all those seeking to advocate for and to protect them including the organisation Open Doors. In the Anglican Communion today, we pray for the Anglican Church of Australia, for all God's people there. We pray for our own community. We take a moment to think of those we know who are struggling at the moment We pray for those who are in ill health or undergoing treatment at this time. Eric Mason, Jane Lodge, George Greenbank, Robert Hurd and Joan Robson amongst them. And in this moment of silence, we offer the names of others to God. We remember those who have died. In the love and faith of Christ, of Gordon James and Doris Child amongst them. And we pray for their families missing and mourning them. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Almighty God, in Christ you make all things new, transform the poverty of our nature by the riches of your grace, and in the renewal of our lives make known your heavenly glory. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We join together in the Lord's Prayer. As we listen to this song, let us hear the words of Jesus saying to us, Will you come and follow me? Close with a blessing. Lord and Heavenly Father, you have brought us safely to this new day. Keep us by your mighty power. Protect us from sin. Guard us from every kind of danger. And in all we do this day, direct us in the fulfilling of your purpose through Jesus Christ our Lord. May the Lord bless us and keep us. The Lord make his face to shine upon us. Be gracious to us. The Lord lift up his countenance upon us. And give us peace. Amen.